0: Well, you were headed up to 400 on Friday. Blue Jays were three and a half games back. Going to your cottage, feeling grumpy maybe. Beautiful weekend. You're on your way back. from the 400 yesterday, Listen to Blair and Barker on post-game Jays talk, and the Jays are only half a game back, so it was a good long weekend in terms of scoreboard watching. And let's bring in Jeff Blair, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com Mr. Jeff Blair, I was listening to you, parked on the 400 with all my fellow travelers, do Jays talk last, game, last night with Blair and Barker. And uh, it was a better bittersweet feeling because, you know, I, uh, the Blue Jays are only half game back, but it wasn't the best of baseball this weekend.
1: Get used to it would be my advice.
0: What if they just played the Buffalo Bisons roster? Then we might see the best of Blue Jays baseball moving forward.
1: Well, I mean, it helps when you're (laughs) basically playing the other team's Triple A roster. So, (laughs) I mean, not to take anything away from anybody, but the you know the Oakland Athletics have already been eliminated from the AL East race or from the AL race, sorry, and so have the Kansas City Royals, their next opponents. So you are facing the only two teams who literally have nothing to play for.
2: Well, granted, uh, the Opposition hasn't been that that difficult, Jeff, but the, the games have still been close. Um, they're scoring a lot more runs than they previously had this so far this season. The Jays offense has 40 runs in, in five games. They lead the major leagues with runners in scoring position uh, since August the 2nd, which is hard to believe. Uh, what signs are you seeing in the offense that the things are starting to turn around, or is it just a, a byproduct of playing some teams that have already been eliminated from contention? <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I I hate to say this, and I, I wish I could be more tactful, but it, it does make a difference not having Matt Chapman come up with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my friend Kevin Barker pointed out several times that for large swaths of this year, uh, Matt Chapman was coming up with runners in scoring position in men and men in base more often than any other Blue Jay. And... Um, you know, not to take anything away from Matt Chapman, but I think we know what Matt Chapman is. Matt Chapman is a very good defensive third baseman who at best is a is uh, a complementary offensive piece so yeah, i that that might be part of it. Um, you know i I just think I think the biggest thing with this team, and you know you need to do a deeper dive into it, but I, I get the impression from talking to folks that I think what's happened is a lot of hitters have basically just taken it upon themselves to use the information they're given in the way they want to use it. Mm. And I I really think that the bringing up the Buffalo guys, uh, I hesitate to call them kids because they are in their. A couple of them are in their late twenties. I mean, I guess they're still kids for me, but anyhow, um, (laughs) I think maybe what that has done is contributed to this idea of having a better sense of who you are as a hitter, um, making the right swing decisions. I mean, look, it's it, you know, Vlad still a mess at the plate. And, you know, I think I referred to his his offense a couple of weeks ago as, as mostly empty calories, and mm. I think that's that's what that's what it is. Um, it, at, at no point this season has Vlady carried the team. He's certainly not doing it now. Uh, he, he's contributing. And and I really think that just having these guys up here has just kind of, it's almost given everybody a chance to breathe. And I think seeing dudes with pretty simple approaches, I think you're, you're seeing that trickle down. I mean, look at Santiago Espinal yesterday. Very uncomplicated approach. Look for a fastball, put a good swing on it. Out overthinking himself. Um, and we've seen that at times from this, from this team. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I still don't think they're out of the woods offensively. Um, you know, They did go 16 and 13 in that time that they've been leading the majors mm-hmm. in hitting with runners in scoring positions. So it's not as if they've turned into this offensive juggernaut. Again, empty calories, lots going on, not much of it translating into runs well
2: you mentioned the bump from the bison boys uh so why wasn't David schneider in the lineup yesterday because this threw blue jays twitter into an absolute tizzy i understand that sometimes (laughs) guys need a day off or maybe it's a right hander who throws the ball hard and schneider can struggle with the high fastball but it seems like at this point of the season when you need every game that you can get having your hottest hitter in the lineup would be the right way to go
1: yeah i have no clue i wasn't there i don't know if anybody asked the question i was surprised he wasn't in the lineup you know, look i've you don't have danny jansen you don't have bo bichette you don't have matt chapman um i i would think you would just want your best your best guys in the lineup on a day-to-day basis and i've got to think davis schneider didn't ask for a day off you know he's played mm-hmm. a triple a all his life or in the minors all his life i'm I'm certain he would be okay with being out there. I, I've given up. There are some decisions that are made by this organization, i.e., going out and trading for Paul De Jong, That I just kind of, hey, whatever. Somebody in the organization thought it was the right thing to do. They went ahead and did it. I mean, that's that's all I got for you on that. But yeah, I was, I, I was, I was puzzled by it.
0: I was listening to you and Barker last night, um, and, you know, you you had kind of a fun, but apology in a sense, the the Blue Jays prospect rankings and how that goes into it. I mean, maybe we're seeing something a little bit special. It feels like all these Bisons can play a lot of different positions. It's giving them a lot of flexibility. Like, is there a little bit of credit to that structure of having flexibility? I don't know if that's a front office way of, of planning and having the guys play a lot of Positions, but it's benefiting this Blue Jays roster right now. They wouldn't have won these games this weekend without these Buffalo Bisons being in the in the lineup. Um, is that something that is special about the Blue Jays organization and the Buffalo Bisons, or a way that prospects in in minor leagues are are kind of rolled out this way?
1: I think more and more it's the way organizations are treating their prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of a byproduct of the way teams aren't waiting to bring up young guys right now. You know, if you're a superstar, let's say LED De La Cruz, for example. <laughs> if you're a superstar or a good young player, I probably shouldn't call him a superstar yet, organizations are less reluctant to bring those guys up. And what that does, by extension, is you know, theoretically at least, it means that you have a very young player Playing a premium position, so there's no point in having there's no point in having 17 people playing shortstop in your organization. Like if you're the Blue Jays, Bobuschetz your shortstop until he hits free agency. It makes no sense to lock in five or six other guys at shortstop. It just doesn't. So the Blue Jays and organizations in general are prioritizing versatility. I think you know the Chicago Cubs kind of started this a couple of years ago. Uh, where they went out and basically drafted and traded for everybody's shortstop. And then they just moved them to different positions. And, you know, if you are a shortstop, you're probably the best athlete in the field. So you should be able to move around from position to position. So I, I think, yes, the organization deserves credit for that. But, you know, at the same time, it does, it, it, it does serve as a reminder that. Frankly, I think we spend way, way too much time talking about prospects. Mm. You just don't know. know, How you value a prospect is largely irrelevant when it comes to the trade market. It doesn't matter if a guy is the top prospect in your organization. If I look at him and I think, "Ah, I got four guys better than that in my organization, I'm not going to want to trade for him. So we spend a lot of time talking about guys through – I think a flawed lens and 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 that's why you look at the Blue Jays minor league system it was one of the ranked one of the lowest in baseball, I believe right now. Mm-hmm. you have a hard time convincing Jays fans of that when three guys, none of whom are considered top prospects, by the way. Uh, when three guys, two of whom are, let's face it, I mean, you call Ernie Clement a journeyman. It's not as if the Jays drafted and developed him. He's bounced around. But when three guys come up and contribute out of your minor league system, I, I, I just think it's a reminder that you need to spend less time focusing on the quote-unquote strengths of your minor league system or where your minor league system is quote-unquote ranked. Because at the end of the day, it's all about what they do in the majors.
2: Yeah, it's funny because uh, you look at the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. situation and he was once a prospect and then he comes up and the 2021 season was fantastic. And now he hasn't gotten back to that pinnacle and it just feels like maybe maybe he is what he is at this point because it's been uh, two years. But uh, a lot of consternation over the weekend, uh, Jeff, because... He hits that base hit to the wall. And he gets caught watching. And Ailish and I were talking about this earlier. There's fans clamoring for him to be benched, you know, eventually be traded. Yeah, which is dumb. Move, move him <laughs> benching,
1: down in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Benching, you're going to bench him. You're going to bench Vladdy Jr. When you're a game and a half out of a playoff spot. And you don't have Bow, And you don't have Chapman. And you don't have Jansen. To what? Yeah. To, to prove a point that it's a bad thing. To watch a ball go off the wall? You know, who are you going to prove that to? Does Davis Schneider need that to be proved to him? Does Ernie Clement? Uh, you know, you guys have watch those games. How, 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 many, how many guys in this team do that? Um, I'm not excusing what Vladdy did. I, I, don't, I don't mind when a guy doesn't run a ball at the first base. I think that's largely eyewash. If you're out, you're out. I'd rather you go back to the bench. Grab a, you know, grab grab something to drink, <laughs> towel off and relax. I don't need to see a dude hustle down to first base, uh, but yeah, you you've got to go all out when you when a ball is hit like that. You just have to. Uh, but you know, again, benching is it's like this hockey mindset of we're gonna send a message. Yeah. You you don't send a message. Hey, what message is it? It's not a good thing to watch a ball go off the wall, run hard. I think most of these guys know that.
0: What about moving him down the lineup?
1: Uh, They seem to be scoring runs right now. I'd leave it the way it is. I I mean, who's going to replace him?
0: No, I just uh, I agree. I, it's interesting because I remember Bo Bichette got kinda demoted at one point and George Springer kinda you know, demoted, moved down
1: the lineup yeah. and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say going into the cleanup spot is demoted. Mm-hmm. You you get demoted, you're moving into the seventh spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, you know, going down to this as a matter of fact, George Springer I thought did pretty well out of the cleanup spot. So mm-hmm. you know, people get worked up about this and it's kinda silly. <laughs> um I mean it is. It's mm-hmm. it's all about scoring runs. It's about making sure that you have the right guys at the plate. My biggest concern with Vladdy is and it's not just Vladdy, it's Alejandro Kirk and to a certain degree George Springer. These guys hit into way too many double plays. Yep. Mm-hmm. Way too many double plays for guys who are supposedly if not elite hitters, certainly above average elite hitters. And I don't know if that's just, I mean, I know that in general, a lot of guys in this team, for whatever reason, their sprint metrics, their speed metrics are down. Um, You know, Bo Bichette's, I think, I mean, there's been kind of a small cottage industry that's sprung up in the analytic community about (laughs) looking at Bo Bichette's sprint speed. For whatever reason, a lot of guys we think of as being very athletic and pretty quick. It it's a, a lot of times it's just not translating mm-hmm. into what we see in the field. But I, I you know, how do you I, you you can't manage that mm-hmm. uh, by moving a guy around in the order. I mean, look if you if you're a team that's got Brandon Belt and Alejandro Kirk hitting, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of double plays because Alejandro Kirk, let's face it, is a human double play. So you just have to work. You know, a lot of it's luck. A lot of it is. Timing, all of that—that horrible stuff that unfortunately does exist in every sport—but that—that to me is is the most puzzling thing, you know. And and I know yesterday Alejandro Kirk yesterday had one of the worst at bats of the season uh, late in the game with men in 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 scoring position. I I do not know what goes on in that brain. (laughs) I I really don't know what goes on in that brain, but. yeah, I, it, it's, I, I just... there's tough to watch sometimes. Well, again, empty calories. There's yeah. a bunch of stuff going on that isn't always translating.
2: Yeah, the Jays have hit into a second most amount of double plays with runners in scoring position in the major leagues. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, the pitching side too, not just the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, I feel like every night I'm watching this team now and John Schneider will make a move in the bullpen and I'll ask myself, why did he do that? And yesterday I felt like... Uh, Jimmy Garcia coming into the game when the results over the last two before yesterday had not been good. Like at this point, I think you even have to ask the question, like if he has another one or two rough outings, like, is he going to be on the postseason roster if they make it there? And then Genesis Cabrera starting the ninth inning in a three, three game. When Jordan Romano was sitting there, Genesis runs in some trouble and then they go to Romano. there. just, I didn't really understand what was going on there. I know Romano eventually allowed a home run, but still, he's your best reliever. Uh, Are you comfortable with the way that that John Schneider has been handling the bullpen lately?
1: Yeah, I mean, he had no choice yesterday. He didn't have Trevor Richards. Mm -hmm. He didn't have Hicks. He didn't have Green. Um, I'm missing somebody else. There were four relievers who were down. Mesa. Mesa. Who are you going to go to? Yeah. I, I... any idea? Again, I mean, there's there's nobody else. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, again, there's a danger in reacting to what people say on Twitter. Um, keep in mind that, you know, the folks making the decisions generally have better information than we do. Uh, certainly more information than we do. And I mean I didn't have a problem at all at how the bullpen was used when uh, given how deep the Jays bullpen is now, I know people get tired of hearing about it, but it's very true. It's all about pockets. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to try to pick your spots. You knew you were going to use Jay Jackson. So the thought process was, okay, where do we use Jay Jackson? You knew you were going to use Ynesis Cabrera? Okay, where can we best utilize Ynesis Cabrera? And in order to make all that work, uh, you had to get Jimmy Garcia into the game and that's just kind of where it is <laughs> you know there there was nobody else available and if you look back on the amount of pitches that were thrown in Colorado and the amount of leverage pitches the bullpen throw, threw through it kind of makes sense that the Jays did what they did yesterday.
0: Chatting with Jeff Blair, host of Blair and Barker, uh, Blue Jays in 9 30 PM start time tonight. It will be Chris Bassett on the mound. Uh, let's chat about how big of a loss Danny Jansen uh, will be for this roster. 10 day IL right now with a fractured middle finger, but getting um, some more um, opinions at a hand specialist I believe this week. Um, so we're going to see a lot more of Alejandra Kirk and Tyler Heidemann. Um, those do not really, really filled the void of Danny Jansen uh, how comfortable are you with that tandem and how much of a challenge will Kirk have to face to kind of manage this staff more um, without Danny
1: yeah I mean I'm okay defensively by and large with it Heineman <laughs> is a decent defensive uh, a decent defensive player uh, you know Kirk is what Kirk is he's you know, very good at stealing strikes very good at at, at you know at, at controlling the zone from behind the plate. My question with Alejandro Kirk is always the same thing: Can he hold up to an increased workload? I, I don't know, and is he going to be able to contribute offensively? I mean, his numbers have been better in recent weeks. Can that continue? I'm, I'm really not as much as I really like Danny Jansen, and I think he's a, a horribly underrated part of this team. And as much as any time I hear somebody's going to see a hand specialist. I, I pretty much just assume that he's done for the rest of the year. Um I, I think defensively they'll be able to get by. Um, you know, in terms of would I want to see either of those dudes coming up with a man and scoring position in the ninth inning down by a run, the answer is no. But that's kinda of where we are uh with with this team. But defensively I'm I, I'm okay with it. I mean, the most problematic pitcher on this staff should be Chris Bassett, and it seems to work okay with him Mm -hmm. and Alejandro Kirk.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Um, The the rotation as a whole has been asked to carry uh, the offense for significant portions of this season, and they've done an excellent job doing that, Jeff. Uh, Kevin Gossman, probably not the, the start that we were expecting. Uh, Last time out, you say Kikuchi, not great either. Are are you concerned at all because of just the high pressure and and high leverage that the starters have had to endure over the course of the season that we could be running into a situation here where maybe there's a little bit of of slippage or perhaps even hitting a wall? Or do you think it's just one bad start, uh, nothing to overreact to?
1: No, I mean, it 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 was not a very good month for Jose Barrios. It was a little better yesterday. Now, three home runs to the Oakland Athletics is cause for concern. Uh I like yeah, I mean I think you hit the nail on the head, Jesse. They they've pitched a lot of innings. They've pitched a lot of innings in high leverage. Uh you know, they've they've really they've been in a they've been grinding since May. That is awfully hard to do if you are a pitching staff, even if you are a healthy pitching staff. And as Caleb Joseph points out, you know. Look at how many innings Kevin Gossman has thrown in his mm-hmm. career. Like This is not a 24-year-old dude. This is a guy who's logged a ton of innings. Jose Barrios, same thing. I mean, he's not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. He's thrown a lot of innings. Uh, Chris Bassett, you know, a guy that's kind of been, you know, was a tweener for a while. He's thrown a lot of innings. So I, I think Mike, my- my, my concern when I watched these outings is that it kind of reinforces in my mind just what an absolute disaster Alec Manoa was mm-hmm. for this team this year. Mm-hmm. Because if you had – just imagine this pitching staff with a, with a usable Alec Manoa, not a Cy Young caliber Alec Manoa, just an Alec Manoa who was, I don't know, as good as Chris Bassett. Imagine the difference that would make to, you know, just this staff in general. Uh, I understand that, you you know, he wouldn't be in the bullpen, you would still be using your relievers, but you know, last year, when you, when you looked at teams that made the playoffs last year, they had one thing in common. I, I think eight of the top 10 teams that made the playoffs had the most innings from their starting pitchers and the fewest innings from their bullpen. And the Jays kind of on track for that and that's why to not make the playoffs this year would be really puzzling because it is in terms of pitching they have done absolutely everything they need to do but uh yeah i i i am concerned that uh that all those leverage pitches is that it that, it, that it's catching up to them and you know these guys could use a breather they could use a laugher they could use a uh, seven nothing first <laughs> yeah, inning lead right? does not happen. It, well, no, it's it, it doesn't happen with this lineup. So I, it just it keeps getting back to what I felt all along about this team. This lineup is just not. It, when when you look at everything, when you look at the runners and scoring position numbers, and you ask yourself, okay, that's good. Why aren't they winning games, um, or, or why aren't they more than three games over five hundred during that time? When you look at the starting pitching, there is. There's something missing from this team. And maybe it's just baseball and, and you know, crap happens. I don't tend to look at it that way. I, I still think that this is a really a fundamentally flawed lineup that was put together. I'll go to my grave thinking there was a deal or a free agent signing in the offseason that wasn't made for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That may not be Ross Atkins' fault. That may just be somebody they thought they signed, changed their mind, or a deal they thought they're they had made fell through, and you know, as a result of it, we're we're looking at a team that just is is awfully easy to pitch to.
0: Half a game back, uh, the uh, the final uh, third and final wild card spot. That series against Texas next week uh, could be win and you're in. It could be uh, already in the Blue Jays' hands with the way that this schedule well, looks. But y-
1: you know, it's interesting because if you're looking for a positive side to all this. Mm-hmm always <laughs> the, the the thing to hope for is that this comes down to toronto texas and houston in some form because the jays have the tiebreaker against houston and if they take three or four from texas they'll have the tiebreaker against texas mm-hmm. so if those are the two teams you're chasing and if it stays this tight you know, you're right that series against texas that that could set up the entire year because Just look at what. Look at what. Nobody in the East is, or nobody in the American League. I don't know why I'm fixated in the East today. Nobody in the American (laughs) League has had a great ten-game run lately. Nobody's won ten games in a row, right? There's a lot of seven and threes, and fours and sixes, and five and fives, and six six and fours. And if that's the way this is going to continue, then having the tiebreaker against those two teams. Is going to be absolutely huge for the Blue Jays. And if you're looking as to how to kind of cheer during this wild card race, cheer for the Jays to be as close as possible to Texas and Houston and cheer for them to get that series against Texas. And if they have the tiebreaker against those two teams, I think their chances of making the playoffs have increased exponentially.
0: And cheer for more uh, uh, favorable. Scoreboard-watching days like we had yesterday. Uh, That one was uh, a nice treat for Blue Jays fans. Uh, Jeff, appreciate you coming on this morning. Looking forward to Blair and Barker later and a late-night game for us all here. (laughs) But uh, we'll definitely chat with you as the season progresses. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Ailish, Jess, thanks so much.
0: That's Jeff Blair, co-host of Blair and Barker. And that insider was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit com. Blue Jays... Tough schedule for the early morning folk, Uh, but a late-night start tonight. It will be Chris Bassett on the mound. We will be taking your wake and rake picks for the next 20 minutes so you can send those in. Maybe we do like a Blue Jays happiness parlay or something that's going to help us uh, get through the night. Um, A nice late one, 940. Tomorrow will be 330, so a little getaway game for you. Uh, But we'll take those picks at 595.90 before we wrap up our show. We've got one more guest. uh, Got back into some great Canadian basketball vibes this morning. Carl English will join us. Former guard of the Canadian men's basketball team tried really, really hard many times helped help Canada qualify for the Olympics. Uh, and now, kind of on the backs of Carl English and folks like that, Canada has successfully qualified yep. for next year's Paris Olympics. We've been celebrating that all weekend long. Still a lot of action to be played at the FIBA World Cup. That will be tomorrow morning as well. Uh, we'll have the coverage at 8 a.m. But Canada in the quarterfinals against Slovenia, a big one, a big one tomorrow. Uh, so let's wrap up our show. Still riding some of the highs before we focus on tomorrow's game. Carl English, after the break, Jesse Rubinoff, and Alyssa Forfar. Sports at 59 to the fan.
1: Dive deep into
0: Toronto
3: sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Wrapping up the final half hour of the Fan Morning Show. Jesse Rubinoff, Eilish Vorfar, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Kids are getting dropped off at school right now. They're in the cars. It's a return to the grind.
2: Make friends on the bus, kids. Yeah,
0: be friendly, get off your phones, and socialize, you know? Everyone's uh, back to the routine. And oh. you know what? You can get inspired right now in the car about uh, Canadian men's basketball. Uh, they're putting Canada on the map. They have been for quite a while, but we're seeing the success of a long time coming. And Carl English, former guard of the Canadian men's basketball team, joins us this morning. was a significant part of where Canada is at now. And Carl, thanks for joining us this morning. It must be a big point of pride watching what Canada did this past weekend.
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly special. I mean, at times you're just there, you're on the edge of your seat. I've been extremely busy, and with the time change with the games, but anyway, I was sitting down with my uh, my wife and my son, who's a hooper, and we're just watching it and. I, I basically I made the comment I didn't realize how intense she was I was like how, are you like this when you're watching me play And she's like oh I'm I'm calling you every like when I make a mistake she's like I'm calling you everything <laughs> so yeah it was pretty uh, it was pretty intense but it was uh it was a hell of a game for me personally because obviously all my relationships with team Canada but then I knew a lot of the Spanish guys and Spanish coaches as well so I was just watching it was it was uh, I'm Texan, my Spanish agent, like, you know what I mean? Talking noise. It, it was,
2: it was fun. First of all, it's really cool to be talking to you. I used to watch you cook at the uh, University of Hawaii all the time. Uh, oh, awesome. First team, first team all <laughs> whack. Um, so what, what has changed in your eyes about the program from the time that, that you were such a big part of it uh, to now? Obviously there's super high end mm-hmm. talent that uh, is now a part of it, but you guys really started that growth and started that trajectory. So when you watch this team now, what, what differences are there to you? I mean, there's so many.
3: I mean, the level of talent and the depth is is crazy. I mean, you think of the guys that didn't come and the guys that didn't uh, didn't make it for whatever reasons. So, I mean, you got another team there that's equally as talented. So, the talent across and the grassroots programs the last ten, fifteen years, especially in our country, has been has been a tremendous growth, and we're reaping the benefits of that with Canada basketball. But, I mean, I think for everybody to commit and buy in, there's there's so much goes into it. You know, from behind the scenes work that's done at Canada basketball with everybody there. And then the lobbying to get guys to play and then there's there's the issues on the insurance issues and the sacrifice that these guys make with such long seasons and, you know, endorsement deals. There's so much now goes into it just to get them to come out. But as we saw the other day, once once everybody shows up it can be a, a beautiful thing to watch. And and now I think You know come tomorrow i I think the monkeys off their back Mm -hmm. when you're playing for us it was always over close but we never had that level of talent and then when we finally made the worlds it was like a huge relief and it was extremely difficult when we didn't make uh, the olympics against venezuela like that i was injured i got injured through that training camp and i couldn't make it and i went under for surgery but i literally would have bet the house on that game like I'm not a gambler but I would have bet the house but that sports when anything can go wrong and things can have a better you know everything at the wrong time and the Venezuela was an incredible loss for our country and then just the building blocks to get it back to where it is now I think the future is incredibly bright I think once you get there you're there to stay but I also think this the publicity stuff that you guys are doing, everybody's doing, I think it's putting the whole world on notice that, you know, there's a lot of countries out there that can play basketball. and This is a world game. And then, you know, you're, it's a totally different game than the U.S. And, and the NBA. So I think all that's coming into perspective. So it's not easy to win. I mean, you'll watch two good teams there earlier with Serbia and Lithuania, and that was a hell of a game. So there's some countries out there that, that, you know, that that are pretty amazing. And the fact that we're up there and and fighting for a medal is, is incredible. Just for me to say that, you know what I mean? This means a lot.
0: Yeah, you've been an instrumental part of getting Canada to this this stage where they are, as you mentioned, uh, going for a podium, going for a championship, going for another Olympic berth. And it's been decades since then. And when you talk about your fight and your journey, um, you kind of set that foundation. Do you feel, and I know it's probably hard to make this about you, but like we talked to Rowan Barrett earlier in the show and he was obviously a part of the Canadian men's basketball as well, um, played for Canada at the Olympics. Like this is also on the backs of what what you guys have done and what you had done in the past um you take a little bit of pride extra for that and is there a memory or a time or is there like a teammate you thought of yesterday when you saw can or 2 days ago when you saw Canada clinch this Paris Olympics that you thought hell yeah like me and so and so feel so proud or i remember when i had this conversation with a former teammate and like this is really special for you guys
3: yeah, no, I, I, you don't, it's funny when like, uh, I have, so I run a basketball school here and you don't realize how many fans they are. And like, when you hear people talk and they're like, we, we got this one and they're, they're <laughs> as if they're on the team. <laughs> like, you know, I was actually on the team and I felt a huge part of it, but it's like, it was incredible pride. I'm not going to lie. And it was one of those moments. Like, it, it's kind of like a full circle. You're there, like, well, what happens if this had to happen? And then I, I think one of the most amazing things would have been to play in the Olympics. And we were so close, but yet so far away. So now when you're, you're talking and you see a guy like Shay and he's there, and he's talking about the Olympics with his mother mm-hmm. and, you know, this kid got the world that he's always, or one of the best players in the world. And, you know, for him to talk about that moment, that's how much it means to these people and that's how much it means to the world. So Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was sitting there with incredible amounts of pride. Do I feel I had anything to do with No, No, I'm not going to take no credit for that. There was a pathway that we went through, and we looked up to Steve and Rowan and and Franchise and all these guys that came before us, Sherm and Jay and these guys. You're looking at it, and I remember as a kid, like we grew up, you know my story and we had two channels but I'm sitting there watching CBC and I'm watching Steve Nash you know and that was there now I fast forward and here I am watching these guys with my son and I'm like you know it's pretty pretty special and it's a full circle but you know first thing it took to me was oh, man, this is so cool. And I was just thinking back, and I thought of my teammates with Jesse Young and Dorian Camp and, like, all the boys, you know, Joel and Rock and shit. You know what I mean? There's been so many of us. Like, I played for over a decade, you know, and always answered the call. But, you know, some of the best parts of me was, you know, was the memories and your teammates and the camaraderie. And now these guys have put the work in, achieved the results, and now... Big question is, is how we're going to do? Like, we truly are fighting for medals now. It's no longer, or are we going to make it? We're fighting for medals. So, you know, and I think with this weight lifted off their shoulder, this is going to be a dangerous team tomorrow.
2: So let's talk about the, the way that they've been playing. when you're watching them, like, there's not a ton of knockdown shooters on this team, so to speak. No but their defense first and they do have the high end talents when you're watching them as a standout basketball player yourself, what do you see in this Canadian team?
3: Well, you see when it shifted like you're like Spain was an oil machine in that first half. Um, And you're you're thinking like, Oh shit, don't let this get away from you there. And then when they went small ball, you got some com- incredible defenders there that can guard one through five, switch and change up your defense. And I feel the one thing they're strong with is their transition. But if you watch closely, Europeans do not allow the transition game to happen. They do this—they foul early, so they use their fouls smartly. You know what I mean? Whereas. In America or in the NBA, people are like, oh, this is a stupid foul. But they'll always stop the transition. So our transition points were way down. And we basically had to rely on our defense. But I think that's where their strength is. They're incredibly athletic. Um, can rebound. I mean, we're undersized, but we use that to our advantage. So I think that will be the key. I mean, offensively, we can get going, but I think the big key for them is to run out of their defense. You know, there's there's really no offense needed when you turn from your defense to transition. So that, that will be key for them, I think, to have success. Um, and then we also need some shooting to get going. When guys like Dylan stepped up there, RG had a great first half. Kelly was struggling, but hit a couple of key big ones. I think, I think you need contributors from everybody. You know, it's not just going to be, I, I think it's a great luxury the time out in the end. When, when Jordy looks at it, is like, do you want to pick and roll or do you want it yourself? He's like, I oh, just won't forward. Just give it to me. I mean, that's, that's incredible as a, as a coach and as a team, when you have a guy like that. So, I think having that in our back pocket at all times is amazing. And he's never, the thing about him is is he's never out of control. He's so smooth and no one speeds him up. It's very similar to a, you know, a Luka. You know, you don't ever speed up Luka and it's slow and methodical, but they can score at any given time. So it's fun to watch there, but I think the key to any of this success will be their defense for sure.
0: And that head-to-head against Luca tomorrow, uh, that will be... It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a lot of grit as well. When we talked to Rowan, we asked about what style of basketball Canada plays. And he says that they're, they're... I guess their motto at this tournament was body blows, body blows. Yeah. And it's like, they are physical. They are going to, yeah. to cut you down. They're going to be hard to play against. And I don't think anyone really has embodied that more than Dylan Brooks. And that guy's had Definitely. quite the narrative coming into this tournament and the way he ended last season. But I think he's really starting to win the hearts of Canadians. That's a guy you want on your roster, uh, both 100%. ends of the court. And I think he's really, like, for me, he's he's been kind of my redemption. My I got to get yeah. on board with Dylan Brooks. Like, he's the type yeah. of player you want
3: to play with but the the funny thing too about doing this is is they painted him to be this villain Mm -hmm. you know what i mean now he he embellished a little bit as well that i'm sure he probably want to take back but they did paint him to be Mm -hmm. that type of guy like he's he's tough and he's gritty and he's the guy you want on your team and now if you watch the european game like there's key things there. Like if you see how they set their pick and roll and they roll and they clear you out as they go, well that's that's not allowed in the NBA. The clogging the paint's not allowed. So that tough nose bumping the cutters, you can't do that in the NBA. You know what I mean? But in Europe, if you see all the clutching and the grabbing and that, like you know what I mean, it's it's part of the game there. And we need to be that tough to to make that happen. And the key, the part part I think for everybody to understand is is that. All the majority of these guys are changing their game 100% to adapt, and they're only adapting in a couple of weeks to try to get this done. So the experience that they're going to get from this tournament is going to be dividends next year because now they're doing it all again. So they get these games, and they got 10 quality games under their belt, right? So I think the more they get that, they'll understand what it really takes, you know. But these guys, like you take the guys tomorrow, so that's their game, you know. They're doing this since they're 12 years old. You know, so and the feeder system that they have in Europe, I've been part of it, like from from the early ages right up through. They teach these guys how to play the game that way, and you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fireworks tomorrow. It's gonna be fun to watch. But I do, I think one of the biggest things I think as Canadians was the heart. You know, when you're down 12 against a really good team, you know, you can easily throw in the towel. They continue to fight. They continue to buy in. They no one went on their own. They they bought into the team concept, and that's that was beautiful to see.
2: Yeah, how much is that a reflection of their head coach too? Because Jordy Fernandez just first of all, it doesn't look like he's satisfied at all, to say the least. Then he goes up against you know his former boss, and and he used to be a part of that staff on the Spanish yeah. team. Like what a job by Rowan Barrett to to bring in Jordy Fernandez. He's only been the head coach of this team for eight weeks, yet look what they've yeah. been able to accomplish. Well again
3: that that sums up like that's all the stuff when I said it's a team effort. Like there's so much goes on behind the scenes, what happened with Nick and even what happened before that with Jay. Like there's so much that goes into things that will never hit the papers and then to get Jordy at the last second to come in who's the perfect fit for this team. You know what I mean? And and when you got Jay Triano speaking so highly of him when you guys interviewed Jay after the game the other day, it was you know, just hearing him that knows him personally and then I called my agent who knew him personally. no Jordy. He had nothing but great things to say about him. So what I liked was the same thing you said. There's no complacency there. Like he's coming in and it's on to the next one. We haven't done shit here. We are. This is what we need to do. We're supposed to do this. Like enough with. Okay, we're happy to be here. No, we're going for. We're going for the podium. So you know, and he's been a huge part of keeping them grounded, keeping them hungry. But some of the. As you were watching it, I'm sure everybody was questioning, but some of the rotations and things you done, I was like, okay, and then it all made sense. It all came together. But then you had the buy-in from your older players as well, you know, with Kelly and Dwight and them, you know, who who didn't play much there in, in that game. But then other guys came in and got it done. So it, it's fun to see them come together. But that's what a tournament will do to you as well. And this is a this is a grimey tournament. The same thing happened to us, and I think it was. Uh, 2010 we were, we all thought we were out and then something happened and then ma- mathematically we were there and then we had to beat dominican in front of their crowd and then, you know what i mean like the, the, these tournaments are crazy so that's what makes it so fun but the complete buy-in i think from everybody from staff from from players from coaches to, to everybody it's it's nice when it all comes together it's something special
0: Chatting with Carl English, uh, former guard of the Canadian men's basketball team. Uh, all right, so big one tomorrow. Uh, Goliath of the United States in the distance, but they lost the other day. They're on right now against Italy. Uh, they're up 7-6 in the first. Um, but I wonder if, if you feel like Canada has the perfect amount of momentum going into this. They had to have some real tough wins. It wasn't always pretty, but they've learned a lot about what it takes to, to take down the best. And now they've got the, the monkey off their back. They're going to the Olympics. It kind of feels like all things are, are leading and leaning Canada way when you look at their path towards being on top of the podium.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be a fan right now, and I'm going to say yes. Everything is, <laughs> everything is leaning right there for us. I think the huge of this one, it, I don't think people understand the weight of failure has on you. And, you know, call it what it was, the team whether we like it or not, since 14 has failed. They should have been there, 15. We should have done it again, 18. Now we're 12 years later, and here we are. So you know what I mean? And now they're there so that that weight lifted off your shoulders I think they're going to be very, very, very dangerous. You know what I mean? I would want to play them. If I'm on the other side, that's the last team there. U.S. don't scare me. That's that's not typical U.S. right there. That does not scare me at all. I mean, Serbia would be someone I'd be worried about. But, you know, you won't see them until I think it's at the finals if you got them. Oof, i got to look at
0: the, the schedule. Yeah. But nonetheless, so either way, there's, yeah, sem- there's no oh, one really there
3: that's scary. Yeah, there's no one really there that's scary. I I think right now you look ahead but I'd be I'd be nervous if I'm Sylvania because mm-hmm. Canada's got the whole weight lifted off their shoulders. And they're tremendous they're a tremendous team. They got from top to bottom where people come in there and give something. They seem to be completely bought in not a typical, you know what I mean? Like with all these guys, uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. So I'd be very, uh, I'm very hopeful for what's about to happen. Can't wait.
0: Yeah. Enjoy the viewing experience. Um, it's definitely been a part, a long time coming and you were certainly a part of this journey. So we appreciate you coming on, enjoy it. And hopefully we get to celebrate multiple Canadian moments uh, in the next little while.
3: Awesome, guys. You guys have a wonderful day, and thanks for having me. Of
0: course. Anytime. That's Carl Carl. English, uh, former guard of the Canadian men's basketball team. Absolute beauty.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, you could hear with him and with Rowan there, you can hear, like, the pride Mm. that exists in finally reaching this moment. And, you know, good for for Carl to get to experience it because they've tried for so long, and there were so many tough games, so many tough tournaments that they had to go through, and they helped lay the foundation. Like, they really did. This team didn't start from nothing. Mm -hmm. This came from something, and Carl English was a huge part of that. So, uh, you know, congratulations to him as well on uh, Canada's success at the FIBA World Cup.
0: It feels like we're celebrating, um, not premature, but we're celebrating something that now we put in... In the future, and we focus on the FIBA World Cup. And I just hope, and I know the players will obviously have that perspective as well, but it's easy to also see that maybe you let your foot off the gas. You can't have that happen. You're winning, you got the momentum, you got the Paris book. F- Booking flights, Rowan Barrett says they're already looking at scheduling, so focus on what is at hand, and that is a big game tomorrow against Slovenia. Um, a huge opportunity to to keep the momentum going. You have it in the palm of your hands, so don't squander that. Uh, Title will be tomorrow, 8 a.m. coverage here. Danielle Michaud, Sherman Hamilton, and Michael Grange. And then, of course, uh, tip-off, 8.30 a.m. on Sportsnet. And right now, Team USA is looking to punch their ticket to the semifinals. That's live on Sportsnet. They're up 10-8. Uh, with four minutes left in the first, and that's a uh, opportunity at a semifinal, or yeah, a semifinal. They're
2: quarter. a little sketchy. A the, little sketchy, not little the same USA sketchy. as
0: Carl English said.
2: No, it's not. So, I mean, I, I would still. Uh, okay, here's a good question: mm. Do you prefer them to win this game, and yep, you know, Canada use. wins, yeah. et cetera, et, yeah. et cetera? You get to the final; it's Canada. U.S. It's much
0: sweeter to go against mm-hmm. the people that you want to face. In the I final. know,
2: but it's also fun when they just flame out.
0: Yeah. I- I mean,
2: I'd be happy if they flamed out. They're I'll play so that. cocky. Yeah, they just think they're going to walk well, yeah, into these international tournaments and right roll Italy. through people.
0: I mean, they lost. Um, what was it, yesterday, two days ago? Yeah, Lithuania, yeah. And nonetheless, Canada, uh, they've got it in the, the momentum. They just got to keep riding that and don't get complacent. Um, that will be tomorrow. We'll tee that up all day on our show tomorrow morning. Uh, but let's take a quick wake and rake to wrap up our show. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake.
2: You could be ranking in the dough with your kind of accuracy.
0: Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. Okay, a late one tonight. Uh, Blue Jays start their second game against Oakland Athletics. So it'll be a sold-out crowd down there. Uh, 9.3 p.m. on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590. fans, Chris Bassett on the mound. I'm going simple. Blue Jays on the run line. They're going to blow out the Oakland Athletics after last night's tight one in extra innings. I'm going to go Blue Jays. Minus one and a half on the run line. It was plus money. I lost it now. It's minus uh, 110, but still a pretty good price for a good team versus a bad team.
2: It was plus money?
0: It was plus 100. It was crazy. Yeah.
2: Really? Go ahead. Where are you putting? I like the Houston Astros to beat the Texas Rangers. And the reason is... good for us. uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly why. Because when the Blue Jays beat the A's as to your bet, and then... Uh, the Astros beat the Rangers. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays' bend of the night will be in a playoff spot. There
0: and we would love Boom. to come on tomorrow morning with that being the case. would so, be special? I like the narrative. Uh, let's take a look at our anchor picks, and maybe we can find a way to parlay like all good Blue Jays stuff together. Brandon Keswick likes Dodgers, a minus one and a half on the run line. They are playing the Marlins, I believe. Team, then I don't really think much about. Um, Eric <laughs> Big E in Burlington likes Jays minus one and a half on the run line as well. Thinks Bassett is going to shut down his former club. Yes, oh, I revenge he game. There. Yeah. Uh, Twins and Guardians over seven and a half, and Dodgers money line at minus one fifty against the Marlins. So there's another Dodgers support pick. Um, good morning, Alice and Jesse. Back on the grind after taking time off in the states. Great. I'm going simple. Jays and A's over eight total runs. That's Courier Chris in Burlington. And our final one here, good morning, Corey Corey from Port Hope. Hope everyone had a great Labor Day weekend. We did. I hope you did as well. For my wake-and-rake pick, I like under 10.5 total runs in the Giants and Cubs game. Hendricks pitches well at home. Hendricks, Dartmouth, big green legend, so I always bet Hendricks. Love it. Um, But I kind of like the fact that there's a lot of Dodgers support. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah. It's too easy to roll with the Dodgers. They've been so hot. 24-4 and in August? Yeah. Let's just pick
0: them on the money line. Like what? Um, I, yeah, it's pretty good outstanding. Scene. The Blue Jays could do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do Blue Jays on the run line, Astros on the money line, and Dodgers on the money line. Just pretty simple um, parlay. That's plus 497. I think that sounds great.
2: I'm locking it in okay. pers- personally.
0: I love that. Uh, yes. It'll be a late start tonight. Uh Good luck. For you. Because Good luck you're not, for you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just another day here. <laughs> it was great. Uh, Jesse's going to be with us for the rest of the week and a little bit into next week as well. Uh, Love it. Justin will be back sometime. He did c- successfully complete his draft from Portugal. I was surprised he didn't even auto draft on our fantasy football draft on Sunday I mean, night.
2: I they have Wi-Fi in Portugal. I know, but
0: like hours ahead, like you're in Portugal. Like yeah. You could be like at like a nice on a beach, dinner or, or something
2: on a beach. If- yeah, they've beaches. just, yeah, yeah, that was so ignorant. they got lots oh of gosh. beaches in Portugal. Yeah, oh, that's God. brutal. Well,
0: on that note, we should say goodbye. <laughs> uh, that's Jesse Rubinoff, and I will be back tomorrow morning. Enjoy some Blue Jays late night baseball.